you found the podcast where driving matters. Whether you haul, commute, or cruise, we want you to love what you drive. We're here to help you find usability and fun. From first-time buyers to jaded experts, we believe everyone is one great car away from being car-obsessed. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hello, everybody. Happy Friday. You know, one week from today, we're going to be meeting with many of you, hanging out with many of you for dinner in Austin. And I'm very excited. If you haven't checked this out yet, go to everydaydriver.com. Go to the Adventures tab. It's our South Meetup. You can still come if you'd like. Join us for dinner that night. We will have just finished our Monster South trip, which is craziness. And I've been editing the North trip, and it's so much fun. I'm so glad. That's going to be exciting. What's this, though? Oh, the Porsche 911 Dakar edition is being released. You're going to go right there. Okay. On November 16th, 2022 mm. at the LA Auto Show. Unfortunately, I won't be there because we'll be filming. Yes, we will be. But like Todd said, we'll be meeting everybody in Texas the mm-hmm. following Friday, a week from today. But they jumped it in testing. Let's hope so. Frozen lake testing, dune testing in Dubai, uh-huh. 10,000 kilometers of testing around the world in extreme conditions. So Finally, Porsche is building a factory safari. I mean, they have before, but not for public, you know. Because essentially everyone else did it. And then Singer did it and called it the safari. And Porsche got all frustrated and essentially decided if we don't do it, we're losing (laughs) money. And now they've released it. And my question is, this is one of those car journalist catnip moments. Because the car journalism world is losing its mind over this car. I mean, this could be a new avenue for all car manufacturers to consider. Think of this. If, say, Audi and Volvo, they've both got their Mm -hmm. all-road, cross-country kind of cars, and they do the electric versions of that, and then they go after the Super Safari, Dune, Frozen Lake testing kinds of vehicles in the future. We're doing all this. There's a whole world of opportunity of sales for future cars like this. This is one of those cars like a brown Mercedes manual wagon that car (laughs) journalists are going to go nuts for. And I do not understand, honestly, who is the person that is actually going to buy this. And if they do, I really think they're going to buy it and drive it around a downtown area. I don't think people are really going to buy this but man, will it it be the the urban? It can go over curbs, though. (sighs) You're going to see people downtown. You're going to see people doing Jeep parking with their 911 oh. where they just pull up on the median to show the articulation and yeah. they're going to walk into dinner. I just, I don't think these people exist. I don't. Pose the wheel like the Wrangler Pose wheel up is on the, the right word. Pose is the right word. <laughs> but the fact that it can is very mm. exciting and the fact that they're building it. So there's got to be a series, right? There's got to be a new 911 Dakar series with just these cars and you know, it's just opening up a whole world of racing. I'm excited. This I, is very cool. I am skeptical, but I know you can hear that in my voice. <laughs> There's other stuff going on with Blipshift. Our oh, yeah. partners, Blipshift, if you go to the partner stores, you can find the Everyday Driver tab there, mm-hmm. and new mer- merchandise is being released. Yes. Actually, as of today, we have two shirts based on the periodic table of elements. One is the NABCD elements, that it's the Miata shirt. So That's coming out funny. in a new color, which is fun. Also, one that says, I race periodically, but the way that it's written is a periodic table reference. You have to see it for it, for it to make sense. It's a total it's very good. You can also go to everydaydriver.com and click on our store and go to Blipshift that way. Go in either direction. We have a lot of new Blipshift shirts coming. By the way, there was a 300ZX shirt that they just released that I did not do, and I'm a little bummed, but Blipshift does nice great shirts. It's yeah. very cool. When you have that moment, you remember a car you're interested in, or you heard us just debate a particular vehicle right here on the podcast, you need a way to search for it. Our friends at Autotempest.com focus their efforts where it's most important, helping you find great cars, local, nationwide, big listings, or little ones. 
Are you the person all your friends talk to when they're car shopping? The folks at Auto Tempest rely on word of mouth too, and you'll give your friends the tool they need when you tell them about Auto Tempest. Autotempest.com slash everyday links you to nationwide listings from Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace, so it enables you to search beyond the limited distances those sites support. So when you're doing your drive homework or you're chasing your next family car or you're just browsing to feed the disease like we do pretty much every day, go to autotempest.com slash everyday so they know we sent you. Autotempest. All the cars, one search. Rich T. writes to us from Minneapolis, Minnesota with regrets and dreams and commitments and mainly just life circumstances. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Well, Rich is a newer listener and Patreon supporter. Rich, thank you so much. Yeah, that's really cool. Thank you. He says the car debate is exactly the energy shot his stale podcast queue needed. Well, we we really appreciate it. I'm so glad you're with us. There's a lot of episodes We're your car people. Uh Uh-huh, for sure. Well, Rich drives a 2014 Honda Accord Sport with the six-speed manual and 102,000 miles. Okay, like it. His MOF drives a 2016 Santa Fe Limited with 90,000 miles. Now, Rich commutes. He's got a two to three day a week commute, as does his MOF. But his commute is longer, 44 miles versus hers at 15 miles. But he says the vast majority of their miles are around town. They're mm-hmm. in Minneapolis. So he says that tells you everything you need to know about weather and road conditions there. He's talking about kids, errands. Oh, we yeah. forgot that. Yeah. Oh, we should take a trip and do this. It's all the normal life stuff. That actually accounts for more miles than the actual commute miles. Because remember, they don't commute five days a week. Well, Rich writes that their wants for cars include things like an EV. He says his wife wants an EV in the household. And this is a, a full car trade-out. You notice that? I mean, he's got this Accord. She's got the Santa Fe. It's a, all, all things are on the table. It's, it's This is exciting. Yeah, this is, is a, cool. a yeah. changeover. Mm-hmm. Well, they're going to be trading driving responsibilities depending on the day based on who's commuting and who's working from home. Okay, I see it. They are nearly ready to commit to buying a key Kia EV6, a wind or a GT line. Like it. But a test drive is pending, he says, but after having watched and read no less than 50 reviews, he is convinced this will be great for them. Mm-hmm. He, she likes the way it looks, which is crucial, because short of coming into FU money, he writes, <laughs> the only EV dreams he has right now are, are of a Taycan Sport Turismo, a Cross Turismo, yes. Mm-hmm. I see one. That, that's a good I see place a lot of them around here. They're actually. really cool, yeah. But he says, his dreams of owning a snarling gas burner are very much within reach, too. Mm-hmm. He's got a deposit on a Golf R. Now, DSG, he writes, his humble apologies, having offended the shift-it-yourself crowd. (laughs) And and they will write angrily. They've written angrily just this week. Yeah. Uh (laughs) Wifey, he says, is not entirely in agreement with this. She doesn't love the Golf R. But as with other major gear purchases in the past, he's deploying the time-honored technique of talking (laughs) about the thing he wants until she finally just acquiesces and says... Fine. I don't care. Just stop talking about it. You know, what I, what, what I have to acknowledge here is that this is, and, and I'm saying it not as a slight, because we have all done this, and Rich, you are, you're, it just makes you human, but this is, I say this as a parent, this is a child's tactic. I'm going to say it and say it and say it and say it and say it until you cave. Stop it. And what happens is, when you're the parent... You don't care. Well, sometimes you care, but generally you can throw down the big, I'm going to heel on the ground. This is not happening. Now you're in trouble. Stop it. When you're married, that doesn't go quite as well. So it's a lot of times when you're married, if it's the constant taunting, you just go, will you be quiet if I say yes? 
So, it, but it's a total. We've all done it. It's a total child's tactic, and apparently, it's been successful for you because you're trying to get a golf R. I've seen that in the grocery store checkout line with candy. You know, Are you kids kidding? wanting candy? Of course. of course, you want candy, and and that's one of the the cruelest things that they can actually do at the grocery store. It's the impulse buy stuff is right there. Yes. W- w- the only time, fr- frankly, if you if you shopped with kids, and we all have and regret it, but it's one of the few times you've actually stopped and stood somewhere still for a while in the grocery store. Because you're moving, you're grabbing stuff, you're getting stuff, and most of it's not that interesting to the kids. And the one place you stop and have to hang out has candy <laughs> at eye level for children. That's terrible. Get candy, get candy, get candy, get well, candy. Well, the other thing it has at eye level for children is the world's worst weekly update magazine. Well, Sometimes yeah. you don't even want the kids looking at that stuff. That's so true. You got, you're trying to cover eyes just so don't look at the magazine and I'm not buying you more gum. Here. Have candy. All, for sure, yeah. The store managers know this. Well, back to Rich's debate. He says the position of his golf R waiting list at the dealer, he says he might not see it until late 2023 at best. Hmm. New car fever is debilitating, and he's not sure if he should wait for this golf R. So what to do? But first, some car history. He's had a 73 Beetle in cherry red, hmm. a Ford Escort GT from 1991. Oh, he had a Chevy Cavalier Z24 manual transmission. There it is, yeah. 1996. <laughs> he covers his adulting years with a 2001 Acura TL and an 06 Volvo V70R. That's very interesting. That's the wagon. He actually says, that's the wagon that got away. He says he regrets unloading that. It was his description here, a hearse-shaped ripper, 300 (laughs) horsepower of long, boxy fun, and he regrets ever getting rid of it. That's coming back around later for me. Is it? I'm discussing it later. Interesting. Well, under the Kids Are Expensive title, he <laughs> yes, had a 2010 are. Honda CRV automatic transmission and a 2014, the aforementioned Honda Accord Sport with the manual. But he says, given for how long he might wait for this new Golf R, mm-hmm. he's opening up his considerations, and this is where he needs our help. And, well, he needs an overall strategy for their household. <laughs> so, assuming the EV6 would primarily be the car for his MOF, mm-hmm. these are the things he's looking for a hatchback a sportback, or a wagon. So the EV6 shows up, yeah. and it's predominantly her car. Pretty much. But he's still shopping hatchbacks and wagons for him. And this is a full garage exactly. wipe, wipe and start again. Yeah, Exactly right. Now, he could be talked into something all-wheel drive, and he'd be willing to consider a good automatic transmission. He would prefer, I think, manual transmission. That's what I'm getting mm-hmm. because he's used to it. But ultimately, he wants decent fuel economy, more than 28 miles to the gallon, And optional, but encouraged, is room for tuning. And this paragraph stuck out to me, Rich, Mm, because you go on to say that you just want to throw in a new intake or a downpipe or an ECU tune, things that you're hoping to do on the Golf R, not for tracking, but just for fun. Okay. So now we're modding for fun, but we haven't defined. That just means more. I want more. (laughs) You're right. Lower numbers, lower zero to 60, Mm -hmm. higher top speed, and more. Well, he says... Lest we go too far onto the hot hatch brand of the automotive tree, the Golf R is as close as he gets because everything else, he writes, is too garish or immature. Hmm. Things that have caught his eye other than the Golf R include a Honda Civic Sport Touring Hatchback manual transmission, the as-yet-not-available Acura Integra Type R, the Civic Type R just launched, you're right, and this he's presuming the cousin will follow with yes, this he is. He is Integra Type R. Sure, yeah. Kia Stinger GT, he describes as borderline garish and not awesome fuel economy. He mentions the Ardeon, 
It's been a while since somebody has brought up the Arteon or is even considering it. The premium SELR line, which features the nearly Golf R engine tune and the seven-speed DSG. Okay. Maybe. Yep. Audi A4 All-Road, he says, is a little boring. And then he moves on to the Audi A5 Sportback, but he says the S5 Sportback is probably out of reach financially. But maybe he could play around with the tuning. Again, the <laughs> tuning thing comes into play here. It's, it's going to be okay, Rich. I promise. <laughs> and he says the Ardeon does this and everything else, but maybe better. And he also has a Volvo V60 Cross Country on mm. his list. He can't afford the recharge T8 powertrain, so maybe just the V60. Which means that Volvo's really stuck in his head. Yeah, it is. The old Volvo he used to have, for sure, yeah. He's got the Mazda 3 hatchback, but he says, I don't know about that transmission. It feels like the same six-speed from his wife's 04 Mazda 3. And his price range is $45,000, give or take ten grand either direction. Okay, that's good. Well, I mean, if you're going less, you're paying less, but up <laughs> but, to but this 55? Is, this is Paul currently talking. You're not spending less, yeah. Uh-huh. So he describes us as the oracles of everyday driver. What say we... Well, Rich, thank you for writing. It's really cool. I yeah. have the car yeah. I think you should buy. Okay. And then I want to explore a little bit about the tuning discussion because you keep bringing this up. Mm-hmm. And I know you're dreaming about getting that Golf R. I would like to think you'd get it sooner than, well, it'd be a year from this recording. Yeah. I'd love I, to think Maybe. That. But I also think that Rich is obsessed with the tuning aspect because, I hate to say this, I'm sure I'll get an angry letter, every time... We drive a Volkswagen GTI or Golf R against any kind of competition. We will make a comment that it is excellent, mm-hmm. but not as fun as some of the competition. And we will get letters and YouTube comments and angry direct messages about how it will be fun if you tune it, mm-hmm. which yeah. somehow ignores the reality of the fact. We've gotten many emails we've talked about here where in stock form, it's not fun enough. People that say you must tune it are ignoring the fact that you've acknowledged the fact that it's not fun untuned. And Rich is looking at the Golf R and going, I can tune that and make it fun. So which brings me back to the question of why not buy something you don't need to tune? That's a great point. But let's explore the tuning aspect. And while we were at SEMA 2022, we ran into our friends Pete and Dave at Integrated Engineering. And boy, do they tune. And they tune well. They've built an incredible business. They're Utah-based. Mm-hmm. I actually bought the wheels for my 928, the uh, the Cup 2s, from their dad. <laughs> Who so. has a m- mighty Porsche collection, and <laughs> yes, so there does. they are, yeah. So it's cool. We just walked past the booth, and there they were presenting. Yeah, it was, it was like, great. Pete, Dave. So it was really nice to see those guys. We drove their 450 horsepower, wheel horsepower, mm-hmm. Golf R. I believe it was a, a Golf R. It was a Golf R. It was a it wasn't 7. wasn't a GTI. It was a Golf R. It was a yeah. 7 Golf R because it was all-wheel drive. Years ago, like four or and five years ago. that now. thing was an absolute rocket ship. And it also, they, they were kind enough to, I think it's the only time it ever happened, to let me bring my FRS into the building when we tuned it and put a new exhaust on Oh, that's on true. It. That happened, and that's where we first dynoed dyno that car. They were, they were reluctantly willing to let me bring that car in the building because it's not a Volkswagen product. So they know what they're doing. I mean, the, the, the tuning opportunities on the Volkswagen product are immense. Look, if you're into tuning for any Volkswagen or Audi product, you've got to call Pete and Dave. They know exactly what's going on. They yeah. know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. I would highly recommend them, even if we didn't know them, even if they weren't friends. But actually, Pete broke their their Golf uh, R doing hard launches yes. on that shoot. And we thought, you know what? Can you can you hold off till the very end after we get the car done and shot yeah. out? <laughs> and he did, and then he promptly broke it. But that's what they want to do. Like car journalists, mm-hmm. we want to find out if a car is good. <laughs> Pete and Dave want to find out at what point does it break? Well, that was the thing, is that when we had that golf out with us, it was one of the, the 
heaviest mileage days it had gotten since they had done a bunch of stuff to it. Mm-hmm. So it was, yeah. in, in addition to being a shoot day for us, it was a shakedown day for them. So as soon as we were done, they were driving it as hard as they could until something broke. They were looking for the weak link. And they can only know that by doing what they did, and yes. then they know how to fix it and yeah. make improve their products, and they have, certainly. So Pete was telling us as we were at the show, he said, yeah, we got this RS7, and they weighed it. Mm. 4,900 pounds. <laughs> big. That's big, as big. much as electric cars are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's as much as most SUVs. But he said, you know, this thing's got 600 horsepower, and it just just wasn't enough. <laughs> So they've got it tuned up. It's currently at the shop, and it's making about 800 brake horsepower from what we understand. And Pete's like, now we've got some fun out of it. <laughs> so <laughs> you could wait uh-huh. for that Golf R, Rich. Yeah. You could try to find something slightly used. Or you could just give them a call and say, look, I'm thinking about one of these cars in this range. If it's mm-hmm. an A4. They, they were displaying an A4 I think it also had 800 horsepower. It was something else. Yeah. Uh-huh. And that was on the show floor. And I've seen it driving around Park City. It yeah. used to be green, and now it's a white. Or they keep wrapping it because anyway. it's the it's the it's the shop show car. Yeah, yeah. So you could call them and say, "Hey, I'm I'm interested in X amount of horsepower because I almost hear you between the lines. You're interested in a a level of horsepower, not a car. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I, I I'm going pretty far. I'm trying to extrapolate things that might not be there, but if you want fun because you just said, I want to add things that will tune it up for fun, which to me means you just want to experience fun, hard launches, get a great sound out of the back, and you're just gone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, Pete and Dave can do that. So what if you talk to them and said, okay, well, if I went and found something for 35 and then put 10 grand to, into it, that brings me up to my budget of 45 And Pete and Dave, what can you do? What, <laughs> you know, what current system do you have, a stage one, stage two? And you could get that immediately. Rather mm. than waiting, paying the new car price, and then suddenly taking it to them, because I know you're gone, going to. Interesting. You're going to call them anyway after you get that Golf R. Mm. So what if you did it now? Preemptive tuning. It's well, it's sort of like <laughs> yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna find yes. my tune first, and then go find my car. I kind of recommend that because then you know what car to go look for. That way, if you were to buy something. They're not going to say, oh, you should have gotten the 2012.2 or the, you know, the one that had the better part that we like better and we like tuning the, the slightly sure, fair point. better second generation of that. Yeah, you yeah. should have gotten that car. Ask them what they recommend because Interesting. All right. it's like when people write to us okay. say, oh, I've always wanted a 911. You've heard us talk about this. Yeah, yeah. I've always wanted a 911, but that's out. And I'm considering hatchbacks and sedans. Like, why don't you buy a 911? You here, can afford one. Yeah, here follows four pages of cars other than the <laughs> four, car I've asked for man. that I could actually also afford. Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Corvettes have always caught my eye. But you know what? I'm not going to get a Corvette. I'm going to get a sedan or a wag. Get a Corvette. Yeah. You said you wanted, you've always <laughs> right. wanted a Corvette. Point. Yeah, yeah. Now's the time to get a Corvette. You want a tune, Rich. Mm, maybe. You okay. want a Volkswagen or an Audi with a tune and snorty, launchy behavior. Mm. Call them and they might have something to, to sell you. Or they say, you know what? We've got this new kit that just came out. Go get yourself a 2014 something or yeah, a 2018 yeah. Audi or whatever. And we can put this on for you right away. Meet your budget. Boom. You've got something right now. Interesting. Okay. Only they will be able to tell you that. Yes. But they will also be able to tell you what you're getting as far as power and mm-hmm, what that's going to mm-hmm. do. And yeah, oh, it's going to launch better. And oh, you're going to love driving this so much yeah. better, the suspension, that kind of thing. 
But if you decide to not, if you decide okay. to right. throw out all those ideas and you decide the golf hour is not for me, I need something now. Mm-hmm. The Mini Cooper John Cooper Works oh. for your budget is available. That's a good point. It's awesome. It's, it's very manual. Good. It's got it's a lot of good. power. Every time you put your foot down, yes, it's just a laugh riot. That's a very good point. And you said you didn't want anything garish or immature. How did you term that? that yeah, for sure. You didn't want the, the golf hour was as most as, as far as you would go. Because so we're not going into crazy hot hatches because they're a little too flamboyant. Right. But the mini gets away with it. Exactly. It's immature in all the acceptable ways. Yeah. It it just it looks. It's like you've joked about it before. It's like wearing the funny socks with your suit. You still look very classy, but yes. people know you've got a little bit of a childish thing about you, which yes. is okay. It's got all the new tech. Mm-hmm. They're fully, fully loaded, $44,000 or forty two, somewhere in there. But easily, right bang on at your budget. That's very good. I hadn't gone there. They're excellent to yeah. drive. They're yeah. still useful. They're funny and quirky and good looking. And I would own one in a heartbeat. Mm. Yes, to the John Cooper Works. And it has to be that John Cooper Works. Okay. Brilliant, fun car to drive. That's a good call. You've mentioned other things. You looked at the... Uh, uh, the Civic Sport Touring Hatchback, and I was thinking about the Civic Si, but then you're right, it's not a hatch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the Veloster yeah. N, slightly used, or the Elantra N. We're looking forward to driving the Elantra Probably N. Probably a bit too nutty for him, though. But I mean, maybe so. Yeah, those are kind of over the top, you know, as far as what you're looking for. If you're if Golf R is the, you know, maybe Mini Cooper is as far as you're willing to go stylistically, those might be too race car ish for you. Mm. And certainly Civic Type R, but either. Call Pete and Dave at Integrated Engineering. Tell them that we sent you, ran into them at SEMA. Yeah, yeah. What should I do? I want this amount of power. What should I get used? You can tune it up. And then you know what to go shop for. They'll tell you exactly what car to go find. They might even know where you can buy one. They might. You're right. They, they have the pulse on it for sure. Yeah. Or go buy yourself a Mini Cooper John Cooper Works. I, I like what you did. You and I did not go the same place here. And I have, okay. and right. I do, I do have to to back you up there because I think that's really interesting. One of the things that we've talked about before, which actually we talked about it recently, because we have a Golf R test drive on our test drive channel. Yeah, yeah. And this generation Golf R versus compare and contrasting with the last generation, I I struggled. Even though I, I've enjoyed driving Golf Rs and GTIs in every generation, I felt like the last generation, the Mark Seven even though the the infotainment was much better. In spite of that, I felt like I struggled to understand why the price bump was worth it from GTI to Golf R. Okay, right. Uh, because I, mean, I didn't feel like it was fun, a useful enough all-wheel drive system, the Haldex system I've never really liked. I felt like it, you may as well just get a GTI, and if you want, tune it to make it more powerful. You don't have to go Golf R. Right. Something about the current Golf R, though, I do think is worth the bump up over the GTI. And I mentioned that in our test drive. So if you really want to go Golf R, I get it. I understand. That's not where I went for you, though, Rich. So do you think he should get rid of his uh, reservation? I do, because I have a sniper shot, and I haven't done that in a while. One car. First off, Rich, I do want to say EV6 for your wife, yes. Absolutely. We've driven the GV60. We have a test drive coming on that. The EV6 is the Kia sister car. Of course, the Ionic 5 is the other one. I actually am a big fan of the EV6. I will say this. Without you having ever driven it, I hate for you to buy a car you haven't driven. Yeah. But... That's most people, I suppose. But any electric car that is your first electric car is going to impress you with its power. The styling and the tech of the EV6 is worth it. I think that is a great choice. I think your wife would really like it. I'm very happy with you going that route. I see your Golf R, but 
I read your email and I go, wait a minute. I want to go back through a couple of things you mentioned. You said if money were no object, you would go get yourself a Tycon. Interesting. So I just put that to the side. (laughs) And in your history, your favorite car you got rid of was the 06 Volvo V uh, pardon, yeah the 06 Volvo V70R that was the wagon that got away he really regretted selling that yes yeah i'm going to take your $55,000 and say the car for you is a Porsche Panamera really because you can go get one That's it's going to have all the hatchback usability it's going to have better dynamics and more interesting to drive than the golf will be or the, the the Golf R will be you'd, you'd prefer. It's yeah, not yeah. garish at all. Very um, very accepted. It's it's executive. Yes. Okay, it's standout, but it's not garish. Lots of space, great to drive. You're getting a used one, but who cares? And then I also thought about this: you might be able. It's going to depend on your budget to find the hybrid version. You're worried about it not being an EV. You wish you had a Taycan. The hybrid version has a little bit of all-electric capability. It's the same system they put in the, in the Cayennes and those kind of things. Or it ups your gas mileage. Hmm. I'm merging the things you like about the Taycan, the things you liked about the Volvo, the fact that you want a hatch, you'd like something a little bit classy. It all culminates for me in a sniper shot for you, Porsche Panamera. Wow. I sort of threw gas mileage out the window. Although, you know, the Mini is not bad. It's not I bad. I don't think it's 28. I don't you might be able to. It depends on how you drive it. Exactly. The way you and I drive it, we'll never see 28. Right. The way most people drive it, it'll probably break 30. Yeah, maybe so. Panamera, though. I, th- I think it checks all the boxes for Rich, and he just doesn't see it. Huh. I'm staying there. wonder what Pete and Dave could do with a Panamera, because when we met Pete, he had a 600 brake horsepower 996 Turbo. Yes. Or was it 997? It was a 996 it was Turbo. Six Turbo. And, and he was, got it bored was madness. Because it, it was only 600 horsepower. Yeah, he was he was bored. Yeah, those those guys can tune crazy. They look, <laughs> they got helped me get rid of the, the torque dip on my uh, FRS. Yes, so they, they can they can do it all for sure. Haggerty is always announcing exciting new things that they're doing, and this one is no exception. Brand new this year. Marketplace is your Haggerty hub for buying and selling cool cars. With their reimagined classifieds experience, buyers can now shop for vehicles that are on sale from Haggerty Drivers Club members, and the sellers get access to millions of car lovers. This is a marketplace. There's all kinds of cars on there, so no matter what you're into, you can find something you love. And with classifieds, there's no buyer's feeds, regardless of vehicle price. Whether you're looking to buy or sell, you should head over to Haggerty Marketplace and take a look around. We think you'll love it. Seth is writing to us from Central Ohio. He's looking for a hobby car. It's very interesting. He said he's currently leasing an all-wheel drive 2022 Alfa Romeo Giulio Veloce, which is the top trim for the 2-liter turbo. Now, we've talked about the Alfa Romeo Giulia a lot. I've talked about it like crazy. I love the Quadrifoglio, but I've talked about the fact that anytime we've driven the turbo, it always feels more powerful than we expect. What I find interesting about the fact that Seth has had this, this Giulia for a bit, all-wheel drive Giulia, no less, is that before it, he went through four cars with an average ownership time of four and a half months because everything he got into, he bought it, he didn't like it, he traded up, and then he picked up the Julia at the beginning of November 2021, and he's had it ever since, and he still likes it, but as you can probably tell, he's quite diseased, and so it's probably time to move on. Doesn't that get expensive, like trading the tax title license with every car? That money doesn't get recouped. It doesn't, but clearly he was bored enough to move on through four cars to land on the Julia, which he he goes on for more than a paragraph about how much he likes driving it. They're great. I'm so glad. Well, Seth writes, with only one child left in the house, 
Nina's MOF sold their 2021 Volvo V90 cross-country wagon. Again, a Volvo that was sold. Interesting, yeah. They sold it for more than they paid after 15 months and 10,000 miles and purchased a used 2021 Mazda MX-5 RF Club with the manual transmission. Nice swap out there. That's a good direction to go. cross-country. I now have a Miata. That's well it's done. It's the RF. It's the well, club. It's very cool. I like it. Fortunately or unfortunately, the Miata has confirmed Seth's love of the manual transmission and the joy he finds in driving a slow car fast. While the Julia is a thrill to drive in its own right, he far too often finds himself looking down at the speedometer and thinking to himself, that's a way bigger number than I expected. <laughs> yeah, that happens a lot to us, too. And that's the four-cylinder, by the way. Yeah. He, he, and, and you're right, absolutely. You just say that sooner in the quadrifolio. Yes, you say you the same thing, you just say it sooner. But in I also think the experience. quadrifolio, you kind of expect it. That's true. This car yeah. just sneaks up on you, for sure, yeah. Well, he says, even if the Julia didn't come with a manual transmission, he didn't think it would qualify for slow car fast status. It does not. So now he's starting to think about what his next car could be. And by hobby, we're not talking about wrenching on a car or building it. It's all of his main hobbies, mountain mm-hmm. biking, road biking, skiing, and golfing. Okay. Whatever car he get has to be able to carry all of these, all of the equipment for these sports. The gear for his lifestyle the, of fun. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Needed to partake in his hobbies, not necessarily all at once. Although if you did combine all those into one, you've got to start a YouTube channel and we'll watch that doing yes. all those sports at once. All of the above. Yeah. That's not sure how that works. Though he does say that sometimes he has to take the bike and the golf clubs because he bikes at the, what do you do for a living? He bikes at the lunch break and he golfs after work. Yeah. How do you get work done? I, when do you I'm work? telling you, I just, yeah, I, it sounds like we're playing a lot, which I applaud you by the way. That sounds like life's figured out. Well, he has some mechanic ish skills. He can change his own oil. He's done pads and rotors. And suspension work, exhaust work. But from a weather standpoint, while they get cold, they don't tend to get as much snow in central Ohio. He and his son, at least once a year, travel to western New York, about a five-hour drive each way to go skiing. Majority of that trip is spent driving in an area that can get that heavy lake effect snow. Mm. And he definitely understands and appreciates the benefit of winter tires. He says he will definitely have a set for whatever car he buys but because of their extended shoulder season, where they are, it can go from 30s in the morning to 60s mm-hmm. during the day. He says he'll likely be on all-season tires for the rest of the year. Totally all seasons, it. but definitely consider all-weather all tires as sure. well. Yeah. They have the Triple Mountain Peak, too, and those mm-hmm. are great. You can get a, a really nice balance between performance and all-weather because those are rated for snow. Yep. The top contender is a new Subaru WRX. That's because he's dealing with $35,000, maybe forty. I mean, that's pretty much the box is checked right there. All-wheel drive, four right. doors, it's all the things. Yep. Well, he limits me to forty grand only if the car is new and not used. <laughs> okay. Now, he's not a fan of the cladding. Mm, many <clears throat> people are not. The cladding. Yeah. But he says it looks like it's easily removable. <laughs> we just don't know what's underneath, Seth. <laughs> well, but, he, but he's, gonna, he's saying he thinks it won't cost too much to take it to a body shop to have him sand and paint it and put it back on the car so it color matches. I am amazed that we are at a place where I don't like that car, but maybe if I took body pieces off, I could fix it. We did see this exact example at SEMA. We did. It was gray. But mm-hmm. still, you could get an idea of mm-hmm. what the car looked like. I should have taken a picture, but it, it was the principle of the matter. It was a new WRX with the fenders paint, the cladding. And paint. you know what, Seth? It was better. It, it was, was better. It, you're right. No qu- Seth, it was it better. Was better. Mm-hmm. So that can happen yep. if you decide to go that direction. Yep. Yes, you can. 
He also likes the new BRZ. He's not sure how it will handle the potentially deep snow on road trips to New York, even with the dedicated tires. He says the other two cars that have crossed his mind are the GTI and the Civic SI, although the latter has fallen out of favor since heated seats are not an option. So get the Integra. It's got heated seats, but it doesn't have any heated steering wheel. But he also admits that he has a bias, and really he would rather have rear-wheel drive or all-wheel drive. He's not a huge fan of front-wheel drive vehicles. So those those are in the consideration loop kind of because I feel like they have to be, but I don't think he really wants them. Yeah. Well, he says on a stretch he's considered the Golf R. It's obviously pricier. Mm-hmm. Could go used. You know what you could do is take Rich's order for the 2023 golf oh, R. We go. We've never traded orders before, like order spots. Yeah. Wait list. We're trading wait list spots now. Yeah. You could Is take there over a cut his in order. This? No, I'm sorry. It- Rich can get either a Panamera <laughs> or a Mini Cooper. Yes. And then you'll have your golf R maybe sooner than you think. And we're solving MSRP. problems now. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> well, he says he could also just buy out the Julia lease and keep it and hope the MOF doesn't leave him and take the Miata with her. Does that mean now that you've sold the Volvo, that the only things in your garage right now are a Miata RF club that she drives mm-hmm. and your Alpha? I like this garage a Is lot, this, by the way. That's I, am I correct sounds, here? That's how it sounds, yeah. All right. And the Alpha's apparently going. Because you could buy out the Julia lease. Yeah. You like it enough. Mm-hmm. Yep. But by virtue of the fact that you've written us an email means you're already divorced from that car. You're already thinking about selling it. You wrote the email. Gone. He went through four cars in a year before he got the Julia. True, and he's had it enough, so, long enough so where he's this liked is, it. This is, a, this is a man with a serious case of the car disease, and we appreciate it and we relate, but this is the problem. Yeah. Have you considered a Porsche 911 Dakar edition? <laughs> I'm sorry. Just had to throw that in there. <laughs> this is who Seth, this is the car for Seth. I would love it if this everybody it. that bought one of those was going to use it hardcore and take it through snowstorms. Seth and I would. I just don't think it's the case. I really the don't. skis, you'd have the box on top so mm-hmm. the golf clubs go up there and the skis. I get and it. the mountain bike with the sea sucker suction things on the back. You're and right. It'd be perfect. And then you're rocking a career. It's a career for us underneath. We all yeah. know that, yeah. right? We yeah, don't yeah. know the specs of it yet. Yep. And then it's probably going to be $130,000. <clears> oh, at least. <sighs> oh, I like, like if somebody decides to give it away, it'll be that much. I'm sorry. I'm off on a rant. The WRX is in a unique spot because mm-hmm. it's still a four-door manual all-wheel drive car. Yep. There's very few of those on the market. Yep. And I have not driven it. Neither Todd or I have driven it mm-hmm. at, this, at this point. And it would probably do great. I'm sure I like the last generation. And when you really hammer on that turbo car does come to life. Now it's not the most interesting thing to drive ever, but I do think you'd probably like it for fitting your needs. And so Mm -hmm. I deferred for this debate, Seth towards fitting your car hobbies rather Mm -hmm. than more towards the driving. Okay. Because you have the RF Miata in your garage. Very good point. Yeah. So instead of going after the one car that can really be a great car and you could almost track it and then it'll still fit hockey sticks and golf clubs and mm-hmm. well, maybe not hockey's not on here, but anyway, <laughs> you can still do the stuff. So I defaulted to a car that I didn't prefer, but I think might be the car for you. Okay. Interesting. Go watch our Mazda CX 50 review. Oh, okay. Sure. All Mazda garage. Sure. Yeah. It's not for me, but the style is very good. And we said cladding way too many times in that review. <laughs> and that is Mazda's WRX competitor. Or, well, they're out yeah, that competitor, kind of, but yeah, still. It's, yeah. it's kind of what they're going for after the hobby lifestyle. And the slight off-road and the mm. deep snow and the all-wheel drive. You're their customer, Seth. To some degree, I see it. Yeah, yeah. 
Almaz to Karaj. I, I kind of like it. And it's got plenty of room for all your stuff. Mm. And it's a road tripping kind of car. Like, it's not my... I didn't end up really digging it. Yeah, yeah. But that doesn't mean it's a bad car. It means that's my opinion. Sure, sure. And you might dig it. You might like it. And I think it's... Well, I guess I did choose the Outback over that, didn't I? You weren't a fan. I I mean, I I preferred it it over the Outback. You were not a fan. Okay, so default to Todd's opinion of that car. (laughs) (laughs) That's never happened. That has never happened. Yeah, got it. Okay. But still, Mazda is going after that lifestyle because I cannot stand the Outback style. It is. They have jumped the shark for me on style Mm -hmm. for the Outback. It's too much. It's visually just not cohesive. Mm. There's nothing... It is a hiking shoe. It's even more of a hiking shoe. It's the wacky hiking shoe with like when the hiking shoe gets bulbous. Yeah. And it's just no. for hiking and you can't wear it for anything else. There are those hiking shoes out there for sure. So go after that one. Take a look at that because I feel like something slightly bigger than a sedan. We could name the sedans and I, I'd love it if you went after the Civics. I, I would love it if a, an Elantra N were all wheel drive. I would love it if mm, Honda mm-hmm. offered an all wheel drive. I'm shocked the Integra still is not all wheel drive. It true. should have been. True, true. Yeah, yeah. If that were, that would be the car I'd recommend to you. That would be justify its price increase over the Civic Si, and the N. That would be the car hatchback, all wheel drive, manual transmission. Mm-hmm. But it comes back to the WRX because they're only one of one in the marketplace. I see it. I see. It. Well, I guess there is the Golf R, but you said too expensive. Seth, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna circle back through my recommendations to somewhere you might not expect, but I'm gonna circle back starting with your WRX discussion. And yes, like Paul has already said, it's an obvious choice here. I see it. I get it. I can't <laughs> imagine you buying a WRX, changing the fenders, driving it for a few months, and deciding I like this better than my Julia. Well, that's for sure. I, your Julia is all-wheel drive. I can't imagine the WRX is going to be yeah. something you like better than the Julia. It'll be new and different initially, and that'll gloss over like real contemplation. But as soon as you get past the fact that it's new, you're going to be like, I should have kept the Julia. I really think so. Mm-hmm. I think now you haven't talked about what you're actually dealing with weather-wise. I think you would like the BRZ, but now you're getting pretty close to the feel of that Miata. True. And that's one of the things I like about it. True. Yeah. And I 100% believe you could put winter tires on your BRZ and get almost anywhere as long as it has been plowed recently. Now you have, I mean, I understand you go through places with a lot of snow. I would happily drive and have happily driven one of those cars in a nasty snowstorm on a major freeway that was being plowed. Plenty of snow on the ground. It's not like I'm right behind the plow. Depending upon what you're doing, I think you'd be fine. But you're you're admitting that's not something that intrigues you, so I'm going to shy away from that as well. And he's yeah, he's not breaking tracks with that yeah, thing. No, definitely not. The GR Corolla would be a great car for you, but the problem is if the Golf R is a stretch, the GR Corollas are going to be marked up. That's a great option. Yeah, I, I think I actually think the Corolla is the car you're wanting for you as a person and the kind of cars you claim you like. I think the GR Corolla would be awesome. I don't know. You can swing it. So I have two wild cards, but then I'm going to actually give you my recommendation. My wild cards are, go back. Get yourself a used Evo 10. You think so? Go you, back you like older? The, you like the turn-in of the Julia? You like the, the performance feel of the Julia? The Evo 10, you would love. You would love that car. But you're going back a ways now, 
almost a decade. Almost 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. And can you find one that's in good shape that hasn't been tuned into oblivion that is in good shape that you're actually going to want? That's a little hard, which takes me to the Focus RS, which is a Focus RS against the Corolla. Mm -hmm. And that was a hundred thousand mile car. And we kept marveling three owners, hundred thousand miles. And it was just robust. It felt great. Now, yeah. the interior feels old and a bit cheap, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but you can get one for far less than your budget, and it just it felt like it was ready to do another 100,000 miles of hardcore driving. So I think that you would find interesting in place the WRX. But after I read through all of this, Seth, what I kept coming back to was your description of the Julia. It was your fifth car in a row. Yeah. Four sedans prior, and you picked up the Julia, and you said... You decided to lease it without ever sitting in one, let alone test driving it. You've enjoyed it every day you've had it. It's a blast to drive. The steering response is quick. You said it was so quick that you had to adjust your driving style because you kept almost hitting curbs because it dives for corners. You weren't ready for the car to be as fun as it's been. The reliability has been great. You've had no problems with it. Why is it going? Hmm. I I understand you like us, you want to move on. You have the car disease. But what I'm concerned about is the trial and error that led you to the Julia. Hmm. I'm concerned you're going to get rid of it and go through more trial and error. You have an all-wheel drive, usable, fun-to-drive sedan that you enjoy. And you said you've enjoyed it every day since you got it. So I'm thinking you have the Miata. Can you keep the Julia? You say maybe not, but I I don't understand why you can't buy out the Julia if you're considering buying nearly a $40,000 other car. So Mm -hmm. I kind of of the mind the Julia is all-wheel drive. You like it. You have the Miata for the counterpoint. Keep that garage. I mean, there's other recommendations here, but for for the first time in a while, I'm just like, no, no, stay where you are. It's hard to find an all-wheel drive car that is really amazing at the handling thing. It's fun to drive. And fun. Yes. It's a bit of a rare thing. And then you add a manual in there. That's a tough call. I mean, it's very it's hard. not manual, but still. And I, and I think, here's the thing. The WRX, yes, it checks all the boxes, but I, I, can't, I just can't see you down the road in four months going, I'm so glad I got rid of my Julia and got a WRX. If there is, there's something unwritten that Seth hasn't told us. For the reason why he wants to get rid of the Alpha. Yeah. And the, and the manual is the only thing I can think the WRX has got on the Julia. But the interior, no. Seats, no. Look, no. I, I keep going. Julia's over all of those. What about a Mazda CX-30? It's a lifted Mazda sure. CX-3 Turbo. Yeah. What about one of those? Automatic. They're great. Hatchy. You can get all your gear in that. It's a fun little hatchback. Yeah. I just, I, I would be in the Julia. But anyway. All right, Seth. Well, write to us. Let us know what you end up doing. And if you've got a car debate like Rich or Seth, TV at gmail.com. In the questions, we have a new one I have never come across before. So I have to try to tackle it. It's not, unfortunately, a car question, but it made me laugh. Jeff on Facebook. <laughs> I saw this. Did dogfight daily crash. It's not track daily crush. You've got to take this. It's dogfight yeah. daily crash. It's the World War II fighter edition. This would have been great for a podcast 750. P51 Mustang. F4U Corsair. That's the the they came in blue. They were Navy World War II fighters with the kinked wings. Oh, right. That's the yeah, F4U yeah, yeah. Corsair or the P38 Lightning, which is the little pod in the center of the double-engined car. There's double like twelve plane. of those remaining, and only one flies or something, right? <laughs> There's not a lot of them, but the P38 Lightning was a crazy-looking plane. Um, Dogfight daily crash. Here's the thing: of those, <laughs> that's three, a new one. <laughs> The one I'd actually would be probably happiest dogfighting in is the P-51 Mustang. But the problem is I want to daily that plane. So I take it out of dogfight. 
I'll replace it with the P-38 Lightning, which had a whole nose cone full of guns. It's not as agile as the P-51, but it's pretty darn cool. So P-38 Lightning as the dogfight, and then the F-4U uh, Corsair gets crushed, even though probably... If I, if I put my pilot hat on and I haven't, it's not like I've flown any of these three or even been in them, but I wouldn't be surprised if the F4U Corsair is probably the better dogfighter, even though I would just, I, of the three, that's the one I'm least interested in. So it gets crashed. I'm dogfighting a P38 <laughs> I mean, Lightning. You can crush and a I'm, P51. And I'm dailying the P51. I don't even know where I'm flying, but I'm getting in that plane again today. Our friend Ghost Miata asks me what I think of glass, tables, and furniture, and subsequently thoughts on glass and similar materials used in cars other than in windows. I think you're talking about the Orifor's glass crystal in the Volvos. And or the, the glass panels that reflect sunlight into your eyes. The glass sculpture in the door panels of the Lexus product. The Lexus, yeah. yeah. I think you're talking about all that stuff. Well, first of all, glass tables and furniture. I am a fan, but it depends on the piece. Mm. And the example is the coffee table I bought in an Isamo Noguchi table, mid-century modern. And Isamo was a Japanese-American furniture designer and sculptor. And the glass table actually shows off the beautiful legs mm-hmm, underneath. Mm-hmm. And it's a tripod shape. And the, it, it's a, a shape that you've seen a million times. If you've seen this table, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And even if you saw it and didn't know what it was, you've seen it everywhere. It's a classic, beautiful design. And I just, I wanted one. And so I bought one. So I I really like this coffee table. And I I like it for that reason, because the glass allows you to see what the point was, was the legs. Mm -hmm. The glass is a kind of a smooth bean shape. Yeah. yeah. But the, the sculpture was really about wood. Isama was really more about wood than anything else. And he just used the glass as the, the top so you could see this wood. So cars that do the same kind of thing and, mm. and use glass as a material to let light through or have the mood lighting, we're starting to actually see that more and more. We mm-hmm. saw that in the GV60 in the Eye of Sauron yes. shifter knob. The Eye of Sauron, yes. <laughs> just don't look directly at it. Mm-hmm. The car avert, will kill avert, you. Avert. You do not walk into the gv60 <laughs> anyway does, sorry separate does not thing. just simply down. walk yeah anyway sorry sorry it's a whole other thing that happened but like lexus doing that in the ls500 doing their you know very high-end glass pieces but even simulating that out of acrylic i think mm. is still an area where car manufacturers can mine this they can still go down this road in the future and use various patterns the best thing about glass is how it refracts light mm the best thing ever and being able to do that in an interior to bring a certain mood or a feeling i think that's still like i said an area where car interior designers can explore for the future Mm. so yeah i'm I'm all about it thomas downey on facebook says if you had fifty thousand or if we did if we had fifty thousand dollars to spend on a two-car garage how would we split up the budget now his two-car garage here is a fun car and a daily. So would you spend more on the fun car or more on the daily or split it evenly? What would go into this decision? Thomas, as I think about this, this is what strikes me. I keep thinking about our cheap sports car challenge. Mm. And what that taught me, and hopefully kind of educated all of us, is that you can get a surprisingly fun car for kind of whatever budget you have. Now, it doesn't mean you got like your iconic poster car, the thing you've always wanted, but you can, you can find a fun car. Its purpose is fun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
for kind of inexpensive. So what I would do with $50,000 is I would figure out what do I need a daily to do? Do I need heated seats? Do I need it to be electric? Do I need it to have this level of technology? Oh, wait a minute. It doesn't have that thing. And I, I, so does that mean I can get everything I want for my commute car for 15 grand or do I need to spend 35? Mm. And everybody's going to be different there, but I would figure out my requirements for daily so that I don't hate being in that car daily because you're in it every day in the worst kind of driving conditions. So what do I need to feel like that's okay? And then whatever I've got left would go toward fun car because I know if I've got 10 grand, 15 grand, 20, 30, I can find a fun car for that budget. So $50,000 down payment on a 911 Dakar edition and uh, Hot Wheels. And then just drive it every day and yes. for fun. Got it. Okay. Only if you find sand dunes on the way to work. <laughs> Scott A. Stratton asks us on Instagram, quite a deep question. He asks if we think YouTube has replaced advertising for some car companies. Mm. With backlogs on many models like the Maverick and the Mach-E and the Corvette, do automakers even need to advertise anymore? Mm. Are they learning this from Tesla? He's curious about our thoughts, having been on YouTube since the beginning. Well, don't put it like that. That's since the dawn of YouTube, <laughs> we were there. <laughs> we were there. <laughs> I'm going to make that ad for us. It's Except I've got to get some really old guy to read the VO. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, didn't they uh, do something with James Earl Jones's voice? He's like released he all has the- He licensed uh, his yeah, voice license to his an voice. AI company somewhere in Scandinavia, I think it is. Or it actually might even be Ukraine. Somewhere unexpected is now going to build all of the James Earl Jones, Darth Vader voice because the man's in his 90s. We could do that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> he could read for us, even though he'd never even know. It's not going to happen, but anyway, it's fun. This is interesting because this is- uh, now quite a symbiotic relationship between journalists or mm-hmm. outlets, people yeah, who review yeah, cars yeah. and the people who get cars and the car companies themselves and really who they invite to car launches. Yeah, yeah. And we've always wanted people to give us the keys to a car and back away. <laughs> <laughs> I w- just, you're, you're absolutely right. Just you're 100% hand right. Hand me the keys and Back away for about a week. That's the keys. There's the car. Thank you. And yep. I, I say that because what we need is we need soak time with the car. We need to understand how it drives. And we usually want to compare it against something. And yes. that was a choice at the beginning of the show that when you see some review and they mention the other car, even though we do in our test drives, we mention the competition. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. But for the most part, our long pieces, our long form content is about having all those cars and getting back-to-back seat time. We're still getting comments on the GR86 comparison piece with the brand new GR80 or brand new BRZ and the GT86 Mm -hmm. about how we talked about the throttle response and how the both cars made power, even though they're publicly stated as different ECU tunes in both cars, Mm -hmm. we actually kind of had a soliloquy about how those two cars felt. We would have never felt though those the feeling yeah. if we hadn't had those cars back to back on the same day, same place, get out of one, get into the other. We were genuinely surprised on that shoot, and maybe because we were defining nuance, we went a little far. But at the same time, we all of us, including Chance, we kept being like, "Is this more different than you expected?" Well, we asked ourselves, "Are we crazy? Yes. Am I crazy for feeling? Do you feel? It? Oh, you feel it too? Yeah, so for sure. I feel like I'm not crazy anymore. I didn't explain." crossover and torque and horsepower properly. That's a whole separate thing that I beat myself up for. But the difference was there. And it's that back-to-back thing that's so interesting. So back to your question, Scott, 
about car manufacturers, they know exactly who they want based on the car coming to their launches. And we're thrilled that we're included. It's a privilege. Mm-hmm. It is not a right. We are yeah. not yeah, yeah. sitting here demanding that, you know, you owe us. People have so many opinions and they have opinions in the comments. Yeah. 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 And once you read and hear and look at all the stats and specs of a car, well, there go to the comments on YouTube videos. And now that kind of has taken the place of advertising savvy car companies and, and marketers mm-hmm. at those car mm-hmm. companies. You're right. Are using that mm-hmm. because they reach so many targeted people who may actually be buyers. True. It's not just a casual ad, even though, that's still valid. It's not a casual ad in a magazine anymore. Mm-hmm. You still see it here and there, but what I'm seeing is on motorsports, uh, not just channels, but when there's a, a channel mm-hmm. broadcasting an event, whether it's old style TV or YouTube channel. Now that's where the targeted ad comes in. Yeah, fair. Like, why is Acura producing an ad? Or I've never seen an ad from you know name car company. I or something I can't remember. There was a, some ad that I've I'd never seen an actual commercial before, but okay. I thought, oh, you're targeting this demographic and this sure, sure. level of income and buyer, and wow, that's amazing. I didn't know you made TV ads. Okay, makes mm-hmm. sense. But YouTube has allowed car companies to become even more targeted into this car world mm-hmm. because people know so much more about cars after having watched all these reviews. Rich at the top of the podcast yeah. had, has yeah. read or watched 50 reviews on the EV6. It's craziness, but yeah. You don't get that out of just a casual ad mm-hmm. from the mothership, from Kia going, this is our new electric vehicle. It's pretty awesome. Check yeah. it out. Well, you'd have to go to a dealer to verify, or you can get independent third parties going, this sucks or this is great. And let me tell you everything about it. You're right. Well, that's a new world. It is a new phenomenon. I actually think where where it helps car makers more than anybody is the cars that are niche. Because if you do see ads for cars, have you noticed you don't see ads for the niche sports cars generally. True. Okay. I'll give you, I'll give you a great example. Actually, the Toyota series of ads that are the focus group ads. Mm hmm. Those aren't playing anywhere but YouTube. Those two-minute yeah. folk, they just were released straight to YouTube. The only places you see car ads are for the volume sellers. True. Here's our new Camry. Here's our new Outback. Here, the volume sellers where they, can, Taos, where they can actually advertise everywhere across all demographics, and that's to people that aren't car people. That's where the ad dollars are going. That's a great point. Or the big Super Bowl throwdowns where we're rebranding our entire car company and here are the cars that are leading the way. It's the big announcement from the hilltop. You see those true, ads. True. But if we're releasing a niche sports car, I don't need to advertise because the car enthusiast community has got this. It'll be a little yeah. tiny ad in the corner, maybe a little tiny thumbnail that pops up. But in general, yes, we can rely on the YouTube world to create content for us for the niche space that cares about it. Meanwhile, we'll advertise the Outbacks or the F-150s that we make a killing on. That's what we'll push out to the general public who doesn't know if they need a car, but, oh, that's right, my Outback's broken, or I haven't bought an F-150 in five years. That's what we'll advertise. That's true. Like a GT4 RS, Cayman. Porsche doesn't need to advertise. Please come buy one of these cars. Please. Yeah, We're making right. this. Please come buy. You're right. No, 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 no. <laughs> we all know. They'll be fine. How yeah. great that is. And they, you know, we're beating their doors down to, to buy the car. So, yes, Scott, you're, you're right. This could go on forever. This is almost a topic Tuesday. But it's, like I said, very symbiotic. 
And we're very thankful and appreciative that we do get invited to things, but we also want access to the cars Mm -hmm. so we can compare them to things because that's how people shop. At least that's how we think people shop. The driver's seat photographer on Instagram says best road trip car or road trip memories. This is going to sound like I'm just doing an ad and I know it is, but I'm not. I did all kinds of road trips as a family growing up and I hated all of them. Okay, I, I I just I hated all of them all across of them? the board. Yes, not even one was... because I, I don't have any fond memory. Now I have some fond memories of vacations as a kid, but I have zero fond memories of being in the car road tripping for those vacations. That's the defining point here. Mm. So when you and I got the crazy stupid idea to start doing road trip videos on these crazy cars we were buying, I have to be honest, I was kind of dreading it. I, I thought it that. was good content. I thought it was interesting stuff for us to film, but I was kind of going, am I going to hate this? Really? I Until we this. get to the cool road, am I just going to be like, why are we doing this? Okay? <laughs> okay? And I have enjoyed them more than I ever thought I would. But now we get to our four points in our cars of the past. And truthfully, these have been the best, most iconic road trips I have taken in my life. Yeah, that's we cool. laugh a ton. We see amazing stuff. Yes, there are portions of all of these road trips where it's not exciting, and I plug in the audiobook, but I still think I'm doing this right now. Yeah, this is what yeah. I'm actually doing with my life. Right, that's how cool is this? I'm having so much fun on these road trips, and I'm editing. Of course, it's on my mind a lot right now because I'm editing the North trip. And what's so funny is uh, this is kind of sound weird. I know it sounds out of body for me to suggest this, but we we went up north. We we drove mm-hmm. from here. We mm-hmm. went up to Glacier National Park, and it was a very cool trip. And we did our little gags along the way, and we had a lot of fun driving. And it was there were there was car drama. Like, no spoilers, but there was car drama. Okay, <laughs> yeah, all the things yeah. happened again. And I got back from it, and it was kind of like, it's this weird combination of, I was there and I enjoyed it. But now that I'm going through the footage and editing it, I enjoyed it even more. Really? I'm looking back going, that was so much fun. So the answer to best road trip car memories is the stuff we're doing right now, and I am so excited to be sharing it with you guys. That's cool. I've had an amazing time. I think you and I both tasted it on our mid-engines and mountains trip. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't on the drive out to California. It was when we got there and we yeah. had some turnoff and then we sort of, it sort of hit us. Yeah. Pulled the cars over and just went, this is what we're doing. This is pretty awesome. <laughs> it was after the whole uh, airlift the goat incident, which is a whole other thing. It was after that. But yeah, Jared's asking us about seating settings. He said, when he watches the test drives, the big thing we do in our test drives, it's our, our running gag, is that in the middle of the test drive, where we're driving, we swap. And you see a swap in the middle yeah. of the test drive. Yeah. And he says, wait a minute, um, you never seem to change the settings, which is a great, uh, excellent observation, Jared. I would say this to you. Paul and I have a similar enough seating position, even though we don't, aren't exactly the same in body size. We have a similar enough seating position that we can get in each other's seating position and be comfortable enough. Yeah. But if yeah. we are individually driving a car, we will set it up differently for ourselves. So that means whoever started with the setup for the test drive, the other person just jumps in and they're fine. But if you if you were going with either one of us to like a track driving event or we're about to do one of these road trips, we're going to be in the car for a long time, I promise we do a lot of fine tuning. But for yeah, test drives, yeah. it's kind of like a general middle ground that we're both comfortable with and we just go. Geese1RBM has been re-listening to all of our older podcasts. Wow. Starting again from number one. Thank you very much. Wow. Surprising how many of our thoughts and opinions have changed over the years that we've been doing the show. What would we say our biggest shift in attitude has been? 
Well, thinking back, our Maserati. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Maserati. You're right. Anyway. Dang it. <laughs> sorry. Go on. I was wrong. I was wrong. <laughs> our mantra back then was cover up the badge, mm-hmm. put gaff tape over the badge on the steering wheel, yeah. put it over the yeah. badge on the hood, and go drive the car and then tell me what you think. Mm. Because the preconceived notion is that all the German cars are going to be the best, Mm -hmm. and they're going to drive the best, and the Japanese cars are all going to be really amazing, too, and reliable, and nobody can out-reliable those cars, and then all the American cars will suck. And Mm -hmm. over the years, it's been interesting to continue to apply that thinking, but now see that manifested. So it's not really, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, you, I can chalk it up to attitude. The Maserati thing is definitely my change in attitude. <laughs> that, that's a, you got me there. But still, all these cars that have changed 20 years ago, 15 years ago, Kia, you bought a Kia? Sure. What's sure, wrong yeah. with you? Yeah, yeah. Like, what happened? You, <laughs> now you, you got a Kia? You got an EV6? Sweet. You got yeah, a Stinger? Yeah, yeah. Nicely done. Yeah, they're very cool. That shift has now, I guess, vindicated a little bit of Mm. where we Mm. started. And it's been nice to still allow that. But still, even if it's bad or we don't like it in any way, say, you know what? This doesn't appeal. And they they got this wrong. I think they got this wrong, the car manufacturer. But it's been nice to continue to bring that along and then see the change in car manufacturers and how they've gone after different markets, Ford leaving cars completely and yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. all SUVs practically. And you know what I mean? I agree. That that's it's interesting. First off, I want to I want to make this joke, and that is, you know, we we strive to never change our mind. We strive we strive this is who I am. I will never take in new information or adapt. <laughs> Right. Will only ever be this guy. No, I, the exact exactly. opposite is true. I am trying to always take in more information, learn, be willing to be flexible, yeah. and also yeah. be willing to be wrong. Okay, and so I love it. We talk about it a lot. We we get sent a sea of silver five seat SUVs, and my favorite thing when we get sent them is when one surprises me. Yeah, it doesn't have yeah. to be the most fun thing I've ever driven. I, I know what it is, but I just get it. And I'm like, this is. This is really a surprise. That's that's like a great day at the office. And I'm still talking <laughs> about true. a silver five-seat true. SUV. So that's really cool. I like to be surprised. I will also say another thing that's happened, because in the time we've done this podcast, there's been this push away from hydraulic steering mm-hmm. and toward EVs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's happened is some cars we didn't like that much because we were expecting the next gen to be gasoline, hydraulic steering, and improvement over the one we weren't liking that much when the manufacturer, BMW, when the manufacturer went away from those things, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it creates this nostalgia for the car that we didn't like that much because at least it was headed in the right direction compared to where we went now. So there have been cars like that that upon reflection, they're really good because the market has left them behind. I've noticed that we definitely have had some cars like that. And that's interesting to see how as as cars and time progresses, some of the stuff that seemed okay is now like, oh, but they don't do that anymore. And that makes them better. That's a great point. It's almost like an Occam's razor applied to my first reaction with that car. I liked it. <laughs> and then I hated it. And well, they don't make that anymore. So I guess I like it again. Well, but I'll give you another a great personal example. I remember that when we first drove the, the E90 uh, E92 335iS BMW. It was the it was the mm. top of the ones under the M3, mm-hmm. and I liked it, but I didn't like it a lot. 
And I kept going, this is too expensive. But fast forward five years, and they were all half of their original MSRP. Mm. And BMW wasn't making that engine or hydraulic steering anymore. And I was like, you know what's cheap and great now? <laughs> That's true. You know, because, because the, the world changed around it, and it put that car in a different light. That's a direct car I can think of. I'm willing to do that. Yeah, you're right. And, and continually be able to accept new and learn and be open to whatever that is because that's where the surprise and delight comes in. Sure. That's where the, yeah. wow, I, I got, I'm glad I was kind of open-minded about this, even though we all have our own biases and we of admit course, that yeah. and sometimes we play that up for effect, but most of the time it's just, I just want to learn and I, I've got an open mind about this mm. car. Well, it's the same thing from that manufacturer. It must be terrible. You know what? This is great. The Chevy Blazer is actually pretty darn good. We love being, you know what I mean? We love being surprised. So that's a good thing. But what we do also geese one is go back and watch the video that we shot on either the first gen or the an earlier version of that car. Mm. We already drove this car, but we're driving it now and again compared to something else. Sure. GT86 or GR86 or yeah, Golf yeah. GTI or you know something like that. Go back and watch. What did I say about that one? Remind remind ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, we do that. Okay, and. Uh, that's what I said about that. Why? Why? What was my headspace? Do I still agree with that? Yeah. Do I agree with myself and now apply that? So now we've got the new one. We're driving it against mm-hmm. the next comparison. Mm-hmm. And do I still feel the same way? If things change, we also have to be okay with that, but also able to explain why did it change? Yeah. What happened yeah. there? Mm-hmm. Guys, thank you so much for all your questions. We really appreciate it. We really enjoy it too. EverydayDriverTV at gmail.com for all your Topic Tuesdays, car conclusions, and your car debates. We're looking forward to hearing from you. Cheers, everyone.